have the privilege today to still have both physical and online presence. We will keep trusting God that that will continue. Uh, things may change and um, we will always do our best to comply with the law as we have always done. So by the grace of God, you will be hearing further communications as to how we progress. Our prayer is that God will continue to help us in these ways. I want us to know something. There are brethren, as I sat down there at the beginning of this service and just thinking about so many things of God's faithfulness in helping us through last year, you know, as this thing came suddenly and impacted on us and we carried on being able to meet uh, by the grace of God. Even when we couldn't meet at all, when there was a total lockdown, not tier system like this, was a total lockdown, God still helped us to have messages preached from this pulpit every Sunday by his wisdom and by his grace. And um, I was thinking that it, it took a lot of strategy, thinking and praying, and of course, God helping. But do you know that there are brethren around the world that have lived like this virtually all their lives? Every Sunday is a strategy. <laughs> like brethren in China, brethren in those kind of countries, those communist countries where they are not allowed to openly worship freely. Every Sunday of their life is a strategy. Where to meet, how to meet. Which <laughs> They try this technology, that one is blocked. They try this place, they come and catch them. I mean, they've been living like that. And there are people who live like that. So when God helps us to have a taste of what inconvenience can be, let us understand that there are people who are living 10 times of it. 10 times of it. I have been in places before where we are doing crusade, and at the same time, we have security waiting to, to, to alert us in case something is happening because people want to come and kill people there. I've been in such places before. I've been in such places before. I've told you about my experience when Islamic militants were almost going to kill me in April 1991. I was a young boy just driving out of a meeting organized to, 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 to hold a massive crusade for the late Reverend Reinhard Bonke in Kano, Nigeria. We came out of the place not knowing that there's been a lot of plotting of evil to attack all the centers where we have been praying for about three weeks. The day we were going to pick him up at Kano Airport, they, they came out in their thousands. I was 22 years old. I don't think I've ever been that afraid in my life. I was scared. I was scared. I, I stared death in the, face like, in the face like this. But I thank God I held on to the steering wheel of that car and I was praying in the spirit. That is all I could do. I could not, there's no way you can pray in understanding in that. When you see death all around you like this. When you see people being killed and you see people ready to kill you. So all this one we are doing today, for me, is, is fun fair. <laughs> this is like fun. There's nothing to this one at all. So if you think that, ah, this worship is getting challenging, and that, just, just forget it. There, there is much more complications that can happen, and we should always be grateful. So we want to thank God for your lives, and we will keep doing our best to see how God helps us, not just to be gathering, but to keep doing the kingdom work. There are still souls that are dying on a daily basis that are not yet saved. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. There are souls that are dying. That is what the enemy wants. He doesn't, he's not concerned about all this. He is concerned about those ones that he can keep in darkness and take their life so that there can be no hope for them. But you and I, by the grace of God, will pray. We will keep praying. I say we'll keep praying. We will keep teaching. We will keep strategizing. We will keep outreaching. However, God helps us so that the enemy will not be taking advantage. So I want to thank God for your lives and let's keep the focus going. By the grace of God, I want to also welcome those of you who are worshiping online. God bless you. Thank you for being there and uh, committing to the things that you should commit to by God's mighty hand. By the grace of God, we will be...
having our, the start of our new series today on entering supernatural overflow. Let's give the Lord a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is our new banner for the next five weeks, five sessions. Uh, so we are starting on the theme, Thanksgiving for Supernatural Overflow. Thanksgiving for Supernatural Overflow. Those of you that have been part of this church a few years, you will notice that most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, our series in early January would always revolve around helping us to consolidate. Hallelujah. Helping us to consolidate on what God wants to do. And uh, one of the basic things that we learn is about Thanksgiving in the, di- in the different formats. So next week, we'll look at praise. Third week, we'll look at worship. Fourth week, testimonies. And the fifth Sunday, which will be the 31st of January, we'll be looking by God. Let's take care of the children. On the 31st, we'll be looking at prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we have established over and over again. Our running theme is one of our main scriptures here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It will be our main theme for this year. And um, it is our definition by God's grace and wisdom of kingdom prosperity among the many things that the wisdom of God gives. But this, this verse of scripture, Paul inspired, wrote to the Corinthians, summarizes it for us. We have established, let's read it together, that God is able to make all grace abound toward us, somebody say towards us, that we, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So as I've said over and over again, when we read this scripture, this is kingdom prosperity, all sufficiency in all things, all sufficiency in all things, not for ourselves, but to be able to abound unto every good work, to be able to do every good work to be empowered to be a blessing. If you tie it back to what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. So any prosperity that ends with the person and stays with the person and cannot outflow to others and cannot support kingdom work and outflow to others and bless the poor, bless the needy, support the weak, is not kingdom prosperity at all. That is like that man in Mark chapter 8, who was building barns and building barns and his vats and his, and the Bible says his land was bringing forth plenty and all he was doing was storing for himself and storing for himself. And he, when the thing produces more, he would say, I will build more barns. And he said, now I will, I will sit down and relax. No plan for, for, for godliness. No plan to say, where, where can I use some of this produce to support those who are weak? No plan for kingdom. No plan for people. No plan to service the two great commandments, loving the Lord his God and also loving his neighbor as himself. Every kingdom prosperity we have must have that plan. Now, the key thing there is that grace is the key. He said God is able to make all grace. Everything starts with his grace. Grace is the key. But you see, we have to activate grace by faith, just like our salvation. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. Through faith. Grace in itself does not deliver if a believer does not engage it by faith. That is why grace of God for salvation has appeared to all men, but only those who have come to God by faith have been able to leverage that grace 
It's just like saying that money is paid to everybody now. And I just say money is paid into everybody's accounts now. Now, unless you log on and go to your bank account to access your own, the money will be there, but it has no use to you. Even though it's in your account, it has no use to you. You can still suffer everything that that money is meant to do for you. It's your money. It's for you to use, but your faith must connect to it by you going into your account. Either you go to your bank physically to collect it, or you go to an ATM to withdraw it, or you go online, however you use it. It is very important. This is how we must see grace. Faith is key. And some of the things that trigger our faith and that we use to demonstrate our faith is what we are discussing this time, particularly on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a resource. A thankful person is one who is always expressing gratitude to God in everything at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, a thankful person is not a person who gives thanks only when things are good, only when they feel like it. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5.18 together. It said what? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything. It didn't say for everything. Because when you try to give thanks for everything, your mind will not be able to comprehend. Because there are certain things that happen to you that there is no way you can connect how you give thanks for that thing. So it's very clear that you need to understand that it is in the situation that you give thanks. You don't give thanks for the thing, but even in it, in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thankful people. Before the fire, they were thankful. In the fire, they were thankful. The Bible says the, the, the king saw the, 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 the image of them that they were loose. They were loose. And they saw the fourth man appearing with them who had the image of the Son of God. And they were walking about. They were a thankful people. The fire did not burn them, even though they had been thrown into it. So they were not thanking God for the fire, but they were thanking God in the fire. So we must understand this. In everything, we must keep giving thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Complaining and murmuring incurs God's wrath. We don't have time to look at that today. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says, don't be like those children of Israel who murmured against God and one day God sent the destroyer to destroy them. If you want to incur God's wrath very easily, go into complaint mode. Become a murmurer. Become a complainant. You will not become one in Jesus' name. It incurs God's wrath. But when we learn to give thanks, we allow ourselves to gain immediate audience with God. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Be thankful. Let thanksgiving and thankfulness be your lifestyle. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We must always be thankful. This must be a lifestyle. Many of us are used to being thankful at certain times, and at other times we, we switch into complaint mode. Now listen to me. Many people who murmur and complain, especially Christians, don't naturally just want to murmur and complain. It's not that they set out to murmur and complain. It's very subtle. They start with the little, little things. They, 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 they start with the things that don't look like it. For example, if... Somebody has a car, for example. That car may not be the top car, but it's functioning. It's very easy to complain about it. This is my old car. 
this my this my car this my car thank god for it you are saying thank god but this the the, the language that is following it is more of complaining rather than thankfulness indeed the bible says be thankful and bless his name there's a difference between when you say lord i bless you for this car I thank you for it. Even though you know that that car is a stepping stone to what God wants to do in your life. I used to have a car like that, that if you, if you enter it, after giving thanks, you now start to pray in tongues to reach where you are going because it can stop on you at any time. <laughs> it can stop at any time. That was my first official car in this life. Hallelujah. I've forgiven those people who gave it to me, but I thank God for it. <laughs> but you know something? I was thanking God for that car. It was given to me December, January 1995. I was thanking God for it. By July 1995, God gave me a brand new, a new official car now, brand new official car that when I checked to open the, the first day I opened the door, you know, there's this sticker that they put on when it was released from the factory. They used to do that. The date it was completed, they, that's finished assembly. It was imported from France, that car, that time. I was still living in Nigeria. This was July 95, just about five months or six months to my wedding. When I opened the door and I saw the date it was officially signed off and released, it was my birthday that year. It was exactly July 19, 1995. I called my wife. I said, this is a birthday gift from God. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got it late, just about two weeks after that, it was delivered to Nigeria. Fantastic thing. If I was not thankful for that thing that looked like a tin for five months, only God knows how long I would have had to use that, if, I, if at all I had any other car. Learn to be thankful. Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For he is good. You have to remember he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Some translation says his love endures forever. The whole of Psalm 136 will tell you to give thanks for a certain thing. For his mercy endures forever. Or his love endures forever. Just for us to understand. The goodness of God means that he is always releasing good to us. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, For every good and perfect gift comes from above. Is this something good in this life? Is this something perfect in this life? It has come from him. The devil can never give any good thing. Never. He has no good in him. He is full of evil. But when God gives good, he also qualifies it with perfect. When the devil gives a counterfeit good, it's only for a matter of time. It is a temporal good. Even if it keeps the person in a place of seeming good till the end of their life, if the person is not yielded to God and being a person who has a relationship with God, ultimately they have lost their soul. Like God said in Mark, God said, Jesus said in that parable about God saying to that man that I talked about with the building of the barns in Mark chapter 8. He said, what good, verse 36, he said, for what good, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but he loses his own soul? Every one of us must keep remembering that we must, be, we must continue to be people who are giving thanks to God always because he is good. Say with me, God is a good God. Say, my God is a good God. These are things that we used to say many years ago and we learned to say them but along the line, we make them cliches or things that really don't mean anything to us anymore. If you wake up every morning and say, oh, Lord, thank you. You are a good God. You are a gracious God. As far as I can recollect, hardly, hardly since 
July, June, July 2013, since we have been accessing this building, eventually taking it over officially in August 2013, by the grace of God, every day I reach the gate. If I'm the one to open it up, as I'm touching the gate, I say, Lord, I thank you for this great facility. I thank you for this great facility. Only you could have provided this kind of thing. I am grateful. I am grateful. Never stop doing it. I remember Joel Osteen used to say one very funny thing. I listen to him quite a lot because I'm inspired by his story. As I've always said to you, I quote people, I refer to people. I have never said anybody is perfect. But I believe that there are people that God has really helped in certain areas. And he's one of those that I believe God has really helped in certain areas with his, with his background uh, of his father and so on in his story. Anyway, God gave them... As, we, as some of us may know, the, the compact center, the old compact center is what they bought in 2003. He was just four years heading the church at that time. I will spare you the details of that testimony if you don't know it. But the key thing there is that he said the, because the building is off the freeway where they are and uh, in Houston, the, he said anytime he's driving past and he looks across from the freeway and he can see the building, he will say, Lord, I thank you for this facility. And I heard that sometimes like three years ago when I was listening to him. And then I found that what God has been helping me to do in, since 2013 was a good thing. But the funny story of it was that one day he was on the phone. Every day he drove past, he would say, Lord, we thank you for this great building that you have given to us. And when they are driving past again, he would say, Lord, I thank you. So one day he was on the phone to somebody and he couldn't do that his prayer. And uh, he was looking, he wanted to stop the conversation and do it. It was so important to him. He said he had from the back seat his, car, his kid who was sat in the back seat. He said, Lord, thank you for this facility. <laughs> his son Jonathan just said it for him. <laughs> he said he was shocked. He never knew that the young man, the boy was about 8 or 10 years old that time. He was under 10 years old. He said <laughs> he was still trying to figure out how he would not miss his Thanksgiving, and then he saw just fired it for him. Don't worry, Dad. You continue your phone. <laughs> I like that. We should be thankful. There's a story we read today in John chapter 6. Those of you who are watching online or if you came in later on, John chapter 6 is a very, very interesting story of Jesus Christ who uh, was with uh, people, his disciples, and um, he performed a miracle of feeding 5,000 men plus so many women and children. It was read to us, John chapter 6, verse 1 to 14, was read to us by Pastor Lola earlier on, and we are grateful. I want to quickly use that place, that story we read, to share with us what I call how to provoke supernatural overflow by thanksgiving. I want you to write this down, note them very well, and I know you know this story, but you know like God deals with us every time there's always something we need to look at. How to provoke supernatural overflow by thanksgiving. The first thing we read from there is exactly as projected in John chapter 6 verse 5 to 7 there. The Bible says, then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6 says, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And verse 7, Philip answered, verse 7, let's read uh, Philip's response. Philip answered him. Go on, let's go now. Philip answered him, 
200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. He said, where shall we buy bread? Where shall we get bread? To, for, uh, to, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? In verse 5. But verse 6 says, he said this only to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. He himself knew what he would do. So the first point there is we must always have faith in God's ability rather than sense knowledge. If you want to live in a lifestyle of thanksgiving, you must develop the capacity to have faith in God's ability rather than sense knowledge. Sense knowledge will always continue to shout at you. Sense knowledge and logic will present themselves Physical things, the voices, even from your own inside, your own soul, they will always shout at you to tell you that it is impossible. That how can? Every time we learn this, we must, we must come to the place of trusting in God. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, you don't need to turn to it, but you can write it, verse 5 and verse 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, but lean not on your own understanding." In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Your understanding will come and tell you things that are different. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Tell your neighbor for me, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, do not lean on your understanding. Now, this is a big challenge because many of us are educated people. Many of us have been taught from primary school to be analytical, to be critical, to assess and do all those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to train ourselves to understand the difference. I'm a scientist. I'm, I'm an engineer. I know certain principles of engineering that have been proven over and over and over. But you see, when I come to a situation where God wants me to suspend it, I'm, I'm finding it less and less difficult to do. Because I have understood by God that there are many things that have happened and are still happening that can never ever till, Jesus, till we see Jesus be explained by science. Which science can explain the parting of the Red Sea? None. <laughs> no matter, try. I saw one scientific thing. They believe it, but they were trying to use science to, I say, I thank God you believe this thing. Keep trying to understand it. <laughs> they said some hydraulic forces came in and there was a seismic movement of the, I say, keep, I say, keep trying. <laughs> seismic movement of the seabed. And then the hydraulic forces separated, like I say, keep trying. <laughs> we're talking about God's mighty hand. Which science can explain the force that is in the stone that David threw, that hit Goliath one time in the forehead and he came down? Once, there is no science that can describe the impact. There is no kind of trajectory calculation you can do that can say this kind of trajectory is, is, is adequate with that size of stone to hit a man and bring him down. We must know how to suspend sense knowledge. Philip was living in the realm of sense knowledge. He said, even if we had 200 denarii worth, we don't know what 200 denarii is, but definitely it means a lot of money from his own assessment. Even if we had that, he said, it's not sufficient for them. It's not sufficient. That not even, they may not even have a little. 
We all know the end of the story, but can you see how sense knowledge was saying that even the little that people will eat would not have been possible? So you and I must enter this year with a determination to keep learning. Lord, how can I suspend sense knowledge? Lord, teach me how I can overcome the limiting things to see that my bank account is not the issue, to see that my job is not the issue, to see that my nationality has nothing to do with what you want to do for me, to see that my children or no children is not the issue for me, to see that my marriage is not the issue, to see that whatever it looks like is my limiting force is not, are not the issues for me, but whatever you say. Whatever God says is what you must have faith in. The Bible says he himself knew what he would do. As you walk with God and you relate with God the more this year, God himself will be telling you what you will do. I say he will be telling you what you will do in the name of Jesus. One of the reasons why I'm relaxed about writing, about buying this place is very simple, very simple. God said to me, the way you moved in stresslessly, that is how you will buy it stresslessly. And that word settled it for me because I know we moved in here stresslessly. There was no, no running around, no begging anybody. Even though there was no real church people at that point, it was just by faith. God provided everything we needed, about 30, 40, almost 40,000 pounds actually, to move in and to get it ready for the thing to keep going. God brought in supernatural. What I had when he told me to move was just under 300 pounds after we did the registration and did everything else. But from that point, how from May 2013 to August 2030, God brought about about almost 40,000 pounds and we started church here September 1, 2013. It's a mystery till today to me. A mystery. So if he ever did that, and he has assured me that the same way, now we have much more. We are now talking six, big six figures. It's different from looking for 30,000. But you know, the devil is not clever. He does not know that you know that the God who can provide 3,000 can do 30,000. The God who provided 30,000 can do 300,000. It's the same thing. As far as he's concerned, it's just numbers. You are the one that sees it as big money. 10 million, 1 million, 100,000, 1,000. It's nothing to God. It's just, they are just numbers that we made up. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we must all understand that we need to know how to trust him, have faith in his ability he said, God is able, where we read in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, always remember, and God is able, and God is able, and God is able. God is able. Not that you are able or I am able. First thing is God is able. When we know he is able, then he makes us able. When Joshua and Caleb said, we are able to go and take this country. We are able to go and take the land. They were not talking from their physical strength. They were talking from the ability of their God. Hallelujah. Let every one of us continue to remember the ability of God rather than our sense knowledge. Number two, it goes straight to verse nine. Verse nine. Verse nine, John six. The Bible says, there is a lad here. It was Andrew who said this to them. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? You see another critical judgment there? Thank God he found the five loaves and two fish, but at the same time, he almost lost it by also going faithless. He said, what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, verse 10, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Number two point is always acknowledge God's provision. 
and reject limiting opinions. Always acknowledge God's provision. There is always something in your hand. There is something about you. Acknowledge it first. Many people always look at the so-called green grass on the other side. And they frustrate themselves with their own grass that is turning greener and greener by the day. The grass that was green on the other side did not just become green in one day. It did not. It did not. So you see a lot of people stressed up in their marriages because they are comparing themselves with other marriages. The the most foolish thing a man can do is to be comparing his wife with another person. It's so foolish. Or a woman comparing her husband with another person. You are comparing yourself with somebody that somebody is praying and working very hard to make a better person. Instead of you to pray and work hard to make your own spouse a better person and vice versa. It makes life easier. When you learn to understand that whatever God has given you is good, you will be at peace. Jesus said to them, make the people sit down. Make them sit down. Because inside chaos, it becomes very difficult to give thanks. It becomes very difficult to see the things of God. Chaos, there was a time we did a series and I taught something on the importance of order. How many of you remember the importance of order? Some of you have forgotten. Some of you were here then. You can't can't remember. (laughs) Order. Disorder. From Genesis chapter 1, we read that disorder is not of God. The Bible says, and God saw that there was uh, uh, the earth was without form and void. God does not like that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then a certain time, God saw that the earth was without form and void. And immediately, verse 3, he said, let there be light. Let there be order. So Jesus said, you know what? Make everybody sit down. There was a time in Mark chapter 5 when he went to the synagogue's ruler's house and the daughter was sick. Remember that story? The Bible says people were crying and wailing and they were all confused. In verse 40, the Bible says he put all of them out. He only brought in the father and mother of the child and those people, Peter, James, and John, that were with him. People that will, that will work with him effectively. Some of us must reevaluate our relationships this year. Everybody you have, that every time you call them, I'm not asking you to fight anybody, but any time you call them, it's always negative, negative, negative. You, you, God gives you a bright idea of a business or uh, something to improve yourself, of a, of a program you want to do, you, some qualification you want to do. And they say, ah, you, ah, it's not that, well, you can go, but uh, me, left to me, I'm not doing that kind of thing. <laughs> they are telling you, don't bother to go. And you are there every day. And the moment you speak to them, you feel weak. You don't need that kind of person. Love them, but love them from afar. Speak to those ones who will always tell you, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Not that they are leading you to do evil, but in the direction of God's will for your life. We must learn, like Jesus, if Jesus had to put out certain people, if Jesus had to shut out certain people, we must learn. There is nothing wrong in shutting out certain people in love. This does not mean you are in acrimonious relationship or you are in malice or bitterness against. No, 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 no. It just means there is priority. I have very few people that I share vision with. Very few. I can talk general vision and talk general vision to everybody, everywhere, anybody I meet. I can tell them what's... But when it comes to the nitty-gritty, detail, fine details of strategy, there are very few people that I can count on one of my hands in terms of numbers that I share with. Because if you open your mouth to everybody every time, you are likely to find yourself not being able to live thankfully. And when you can't live thankfully, you will struggle in being able to draw down this gift of God that helps us to get into the presence of the Almighty God. 
It was Theodore Roosevelt that said something. Theodore Roosevelt is one of the prominent ex-American presidents. He said the secret of progress is simple. He said just keep doing everything you can with whatever you have right where you are. Just keep doing everything you can with whatever you have right where you are. The folly of life is many people waiting for the next step or the next stage before doing anything. Meanwhile, there is something in your hand right now. There was the five loaves and two fish. Jesus did not look at the five loaves and two fish and say to them, please, can you have any other child? Maybe we can have some more. Maybe another one has ten loaves. Maybe another one has six fish. Maybe another one. Let's see as many as we can get. The moment they said they saw this one, this one is here. These people are famished. It's about food. Now I have found something. What can I do with this thing right where I am? The situation of knowing where you are is so important in life. The problem is when you know where you are and you let the sense knowledge tell you that where you are is what it is, then that becomes a problem. Know where you are. There's nothing wrong with it. Know your level in life. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. You must understand that life is in stages. And when you have that thing, be thankful. Always acknowledge that what God has given to you is a provision from him. You did not have it in the first instance. That boy came there for, with his lunch. He wanted to eat it as lunch. Jesus did not plan with him before. But here is this divine provision that Jesus knew that can be given to God. You must refuse unbelief. You must refuse fear. You must refuse worry, anxiety. As I said, you must reject murmuring. These are enemies of your progress that the devil keeps using to hold many people down. You must understand that whatever God has, you should be, you should learn to appreciate whatever you have. Many people are not appreciative of their spouses. Oh, she's too this. Oh, he's too that. They look at negative, negative, negative. Many people are not appreciative of their church, where their church is. They're looking at churches that have gone ahead, and I've said it so many times. The most foolish thing a pastor can do is to be comparing himself with people who have gone years ahead of him. Or people who God is helping differently. They may even be at par in terms of age. But God is helping them differently because of their kind of assignment. So you'll be grateful. I say this with every sense of humility. Everything God has given to me, my life, my height, my stature, my color, my nationalities, the things I do, the work I do. That is why you know virtually everything. I am grateful. I'm not ashamed of myself. I'm not ashamed of this church. I'm not ashamed of the congregation. I'm not ashamed of where we are. I'm not ashamed of the jobs I do. I'm not ashamed that I'm a professional and I'm a pastor. I'm not ashamed. It used to be a thing of shame for some pastors many years ago. Many years ago, some pastors could not open up to say they were doing business because people saw them as carnal. No, God gave me the brain to be an engineer. I'm grateful. I won't see it as carnal. He put the brain there. So why should, I, why should I be ashamed? Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. God gave me the mind to be an academic, to be an intellectual person. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed. Don't be ashamed of anything. Jesus Christ was not ashamed of those five loaves and two fish. Rather, he lifted it up. He lifted it up. Hallelujah. You and I must understand that if you want to make progress in this life, you must be like that. Be at peace. Be at peace. Jesus said, make them sit down. 
Make them sit down. Be at peace. Always continue to make sure that peace reigns around you. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, if you know it, quote it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Keep lying down. That is his design. Keep lying down. Keep being at rest. You shall not want. I say you shall not want. I say you shall not want. Because the Lord is your shepherd. Every wise sheep knows that as long as they lift their head like this and they can sight the shepherd, they have nothing to worry about. Only rude and very, very poor thinking sheep still go bare, 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 bare when they are looking at the shepherd like that. Those ones that know that once that shepherd is there, they sit down there. Have you seen them chewing the cord? They'll just be chewing like that and chewing like that. They open one eye just to be sure the man is still there. They continue chewing. Those are very wise sheep. Those are very wise sheep. <laughs> they don't worry. They don't stress. When the shepherd starts moving, they just follow gently. Just follow gently. Those naughty ones will be going the other direction. <laughs> and then somebody will catch them and then they will be shouting, Ah! <laughs> Stay with him and stay at rest. Hallelujah. God will grant you peace this year. In the name of Jesus. Stay in peace always. Number three, be thankful. There's one thing to acknowledge God's provision. Now, be thankful about it. Be thankful. We read this from verse 11. And Jesus, verse 11, John 6, 11. Let's go. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Just before that, Philip was saying that even if we bought so much, people cannot even get enough to eat. But now everybody was having as much as they wanted. But how did it start? He took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed it to his disciples and then to others. We must understand that we must be thankful and we must take faith steps. Be thankful and take faith steps. As you are giving thanks for the things I have mentioned that you should be giving thanks for among the many things, you take faith steps. When you are not happy about how life is treating you in your marriage, in terms of relationship with your spouse, you thank God for them first. It's not easy, especially when it looks like everything is going south, when it's going all wrong, as it were. You first thank God, then you listen, and God will start to give you the wisdom about what to do. He, he, he took the loaves and he gave thanks, and the Bible says he distributed them. He began to take steps. Those were faith steps. Everything that has to do with the supernatural overflow of God has to do with faith steps. In John chapter 2, they lacked wine, and he said, go and fill the water pots with water. Somebody said faith steps. But that was not enough. He said, now go and draw from it and take it straight to the chairman. He didn't say taste it first. Somebody said faith steps. 
And I'm sure the first person that took the first picture was going, if this man messes me up today. <laughs> but he took the picture and went. And when he served it to the man, the Bible, the Bible says the man said, how do, you, how do you do this? Everybody always serves the best wine first. But you kept the best for the last. Because the best was made by the only one who makes the best things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You must take faith steps. Your skills, your spouse, your children, take faith steps. You have challenges with relationships with people at work. Thank God for your, your employee. You know, the, I always say something. The fact that you have an, a, a colleague you are working together, even if things are not going well, you should be thankful. Do you know why? God gave all of you a viable job. That's why you are there in the first instance. If there is no job to do, you will not be there together. There, there are ways you can always overcome the devil when he suggests things to you. There are many jobs that are no longer functioning, especially since this pandemic started. Do you understand what I'm saying? So instead of the devil getting you to see that you have a problem with this colleague, you have a problem with that colleague every time, say, Lord, I thank you that we have this job we are doing. I thank you for this job. I thank you for this work environment. You are a faithful God. That's a faith step. That, that's, that's a thankfulness for what it is. Then the faith step now is you listen to God to give you how. You manage people differently. The way you relate with one employee or colleague is different from how you relate to one, uh, the other colleague. You need the wisdom of God. Whether they are believers or not, you need the wisdom of God. I have seen some believers that when you see them in church, they are very different. When you see them in the workplace, they are not a human being altogether. Have you seen such before? I've seen them before. Even if you have not, I will, I will give you a list of the ones I've seen before. <laughs> there are many like that. Or when you get to their home, another thing altogether. And this is one of the reasons why youngsters are confused today about Christians. Because young children growing up see three, three, three persons in their father. It's different to them as a father. It's different to, de- to them as the husband to their mother. It's different to them when they see him in church. When they see him in church, he's like an angel. But the moment he gets home, he's like Dracula and a dinosaur. And these ones are like, these little kids are like, ah, is this what this Christianity is? When we go into that building, dad is usually a very gentle angel, always greeting everybody. Bless you, bless you. But when he gets home, he's like a dragon. Then the children, oh, a boxer, thank you very much. <laughs> he's like a boxer. But you know something? The, the children will be praying when they hear church they will be very eager to go because they know that that man behaves differently. (laughs) But you don't have to be like that. Be the one person that they know. Be the one person that they know. Some people watching this now and who will watch later, I do business with them. I lecture with them at the same university. We do academic work together. They know me there. They know me in those places. If I'm stood here on a Sunday and I'm a hypocrite, they will just be twitching their nose and laughing at me. If when we do business, I cheat them, when I'm supposed to pay a, a, a subconsultant 1000 and I, I, I undercut them or I, I don't even pay at all, they will say, they will see all those preachers. <laughs> Your life must be one. It must be one. Your children must not see you any different from how they see you here or how they see you at home or anywhere. Be thankful. Be thankful. Every one of us must understand this. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
Number four thing. After God has done these things, in verse 12, we read that when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that they remain, that, that remain so nothing is lost. I'm back to John chapter 6, verse 12, verse 11 now. Verse 12 now, verse 12. John 6, 12, thank you. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. What does this mean to us? We must remain accountable for every breakthrough. Some of us do not look at the milestones of our lives, and we do nothing about it. God moves you from one stage to the other, and you continue to live life as, as if you were in the old stage. That is not being thankful. That's not being thankful. You must be accountable. You must be accountable. When I first came to this country 20 years ago now, uh, the first church I joined, one of the projects they wanted to do there was, was to buy ch- chairs, and each chair was to cost 25 pounds, and you are, we were asked to all pledge into it and do whatever we could do. That time, my earning officially was 500. I say officially because I used to do some little, little things to help me get additional income, but what I was guaranteed of per se was 500 pounds. I was on a 6,000 pounds a year stipend, thankfully, because my fees were paid, so that was something, but it was, it was very, very, I needed to manage it well. Now, the reality is that I paid my tithes out of that, did all those things. But even in that time, my wife and I looked at each other. We looked at where we were coming a year before. A year before that time, or a few months before that time, back in our home country by the grace of God. God had so helped us. We were both in our late 20s at that time. But we had a lot of money coming in. I was a young engineer, and we had a lot of good projects. So I was always having money. In our church, we, if we were to do it in our church that time, we wouldn't buy less than 50 to 100 chairs. Never by that time to our church back in Nigeria. So I said to my wife, I said, what are we going to do? I said, do you have a number in mind? The moment she said 10, I said, that's exactly what God said to me. Now, 10 does not look many, but for us that time, that was a huge store. That's like half of my monthly earning. 250 pounds, we pledged it. And in short while, a few months, couple of months, three months after that, God helped us and we redeemed it. But you see, I cannot be stating from that, that was a big sacrifice at that time. I cannot now say that I'm sacrificing to God. I say, Lord, I thank you. And they say, let us sacrifice. And then I now bring 250 pounds. And I say, "Ah, Lord, this is my sacrifice. That's irresponsible. Irresponsible. Because it is not my sacrifice anymore to the glory of his name. It's not my sacrifice anymore. It's not. It's not. By the grace of God. And it will never be again in this life. In the name of Jesus. Be accountable. Jesus said, all these things have come together. They have come. They have come. He said, gather them. Don't let anything waste. Jesus Christ himself was accountable for the things God did. Every believer must understand that we have a responsibility to be accountable. I cannot sit in any church again in this life and just sit down like that. No job, no preaching, nothing. I can't. God has taken me beyond that. He has put enough inside me. As I am like this, I've been saying this since 2013, 2014. Not as a boast, but what he has put inside. If we are to start two services today, messages are ready for two services every Sunday, 52. Ready. Because it's not me, it's the one who commits it. So how can I take all that now and just sit down like a church member somewhere? It's not possible again, by the grace of my God. Look at your life. Are you where you were this time last year? God has helped you. What are you going to do differently? 
Which fragments are you gathering? What are you going to say, Lord, I thank you. This is where I was in January 2020. But this is where I am now. You have been good to me. This is where I was, January 2005. But look how far you have taken me. Now, I want to be accountable. The Bible says, let nothing go to waste. Let nothing go to waste. Every one of us must understand this. Nothing must go to waste anymore in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Verse 13 says, therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. (laughs) Everybody had eaten and eaten and eaten, including the men who were worried before that they told them to don't be worried. Sit down, sit down. Now, everybody had eaten and they still gathered 12 baskets. Somebody say accountability. When you are accountable, you are able to see what God has done and your thanksgiving becomes more potent. You can always go to God and say, in the year 2003, 2000 and when, I go, when I go to Nigeria, uh, I used to represent the university. I was just four years into the country. I just finished my PhD, 2003, 2004. And I was selected as one of those who represent. That time, African student market was very, very big. So we used to go to West Africa. I would go to Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon with the international office. And uh, we'd do a lot of fairs. There was the time I traveled 13 flights in two weeks. Very busy time. In Nigeria alone, we'd do Lagos, Abuja, Potakot, Kano, and come out of it in about under a week. Then we'd come out of it and go to Ghana, do Kumasi, do Accra, go to uh, uh, um, what's Douala in uh, Cameroon. And all those, and what's the other town? Yaoundé, is it? Yaoundé. Go to Yaoundé. That was the first place I got a shock of my life. I spoke to a lady at the airport, and she looked exactly like an Igbo girl. I expected her to talk back to me in either pidgin language or English. She started speaking French. I said, ah. <laughs> I didn't understand the word of French, so I was really shocked. I've got some culture shocks like that before. You see, people look one thing, but they speak very, very different because they are not there. I went to Trinidad and Tobago early 2019. And as I got there, I saw an Asian, Indian-looking girl, very, very beautiful girl. She was at the, air, uh, at the immigration stand. And I greeted her nicely, and uh, I gave her my passport to get in. And so she said, oh, you want to go to my country? I, I heard Patois from an Indian girl for the first time. <laughs> I wasn't expecting Patois language at all. But apparently, that is, the, that is the local dialect, and everybody, whether they were Asian, black, or everything, they spoke it there. And I was really shocked. For about two seconds, I was like that. <laughs> So yes, we need to see these things and be grateful. But the reality is that I was doing all those things that time. I want to give you a quick testimony here. That time, what the university would pay me would be like 30 pounds or 50 pounds. No, no, about 30-something pounds a night to be in Nigeria. I would take that money because that's all I had. That's all I had. I would take that money in bulk. I don't use it. That is what I used to give to my people because you can't go to Nigeria. How can I say I travel to Nigeria and come out now? I didn't drop something for dad, mom, and in-laws. It's impossible. <laughs> so, but that is all I had. I would take the 200 pounds. The food I ate was like this. Bed and breakfast at the hotel, I would eat, very, I would eat stuff myself very well in the morning as if all the breakfast will finish next day. <laughs> Because I know that there is no money to eat anything else. Then when we are doing those meetings, any lunch they offer, except I'm fasting. If not any lunch they offer, whether it's snail or goat meat or chicken, anything they offer, I eat it. That was what I ate. Then I would take the 200 pounds, give this one 10 pounds, give this one 5 pounds. 
give this one 20 pounds. And some of those people were laughing at me then. Some of them were laughing at me, not none of our parents, but some of those people were laughing at me. What's wrong with this one? You go abroad, you come back, you are giving me 10 pounds. People like you with your doctor, <laughs> they used to give us 100 pounds. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, last, just last month, this Christmas time, I looked at how much God helped me, the same me, to send to those people that they were all calling and praying and praying. You would never, you would never lack again. You, I say, all of you, when I was doing five pounds, ten pounds, <laughs> if I had to go back to all of you and remind you how you were doing your noses, I would have abandoned you since. <laughs> but I know that that was my five loaves and two fish. A time will come, you will send 10,000 pounds to your papa and mama. You will not even feel it. I say you will not even feel it in the name of Jesus. That is how God does it. But start with the 10 pounds. Start with the 100 pounds. Keep honoring them. Don't say the way Papa treated me before I left Nigeria. Ah, if he like, let him. No, 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 no. You keep honoring. It's a covenant you have with God. Keep doing it. And God will bless you for it. In Jesus' name. Finally, verse 14. Verse 14. He said, then those men, when they had seen that Jesus, the sign that Jesus did, they said, truly, the prophet this is the prophet. This is truly the prophet who is come into the world. This is truly the prophet who is come into the world. You see, as you continue to live this life of thanksgiving, God will be showing you as a light to the world. Matthew five sixteen says, "So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works." Your life will remain a mystery, and your life will continue to shine for the light of God. In the name of Jesus, just make up your mind today. To be thankful. Be thankful for everything. Be thankful in everything, rather. Be thankful in everything. And be grateful to God when you have the provisions. Be thankful for it. Be thankful for the things he has done. But in every situation, be giving thanks. Let this be your motto this year, that I will be thankful. Many people have remained where they are because they complain too much. They complain too much and nothing is changing. I know couples, sadly, that have been counseling for years, and when I go back into the same situation, I hear the same complaints from three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. The same complaint about the husband, about the wife. The same, same. And I keep saying, how long do you want to keep making these complaints? Why don't you both sit down and thank God for each other? And thank God that he gave life. Do you know how many people are looking for who to marry? Do you know? Oh, you look at your children every time, complain about this, complain about that. Do you know how many people are still trusting God? Keep thanking God. When you thank God for those things, what happens is that God sees your heart and he begins to bring in the journey of multiplication. I say God will bring the journey of multiplication to you. God must continue to be acknowledged as our source every time. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. God is the one. 2 Corinthians 10.9.10 God is the one who always supplies seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. And he's the one who multiplies it. He supplied the seed in the five loaves and the two fish. He's the one who multiplied it. Thank him for the seed. Leave the multiplication to him. Don't try to reason it out. And God will be blessing you. Verse 15, let's shout it together. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. We're going to go into a time of communion very shortly, but 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Let's read it together. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's rise to our...